For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Views and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers, and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. with a price tag you were slave to a flag in a country that clearly doesn't love you when they probably never have told you turn the other cheek and they made it with a bat fuck them protests in them cities told you go fight in the war vietnam you died good riddance the man of the house rule took you from your siblings turned around a pump crack right up in your city and they turned all your leaders the martyrs you was off in the war now who was guarding your daughters it was riots in the streets killed malcolm and martin called a national guard up because we ride with our guard up and that was building your guard the second amendment don't apply to you Everything that they taught you was a lie to you. See, they scared of your skin and they dying to shoot. Take the American dream and then you die to pursue. One day it'll all make sense. If it ain't about power, then it don't make sense. But none of that money matters when you live in madness. So one day you figure out that all you got is this. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Right on. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Right on. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Right on. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Afternoon and welcome to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind these enemy lines known as USA Inc. Today's date is June 12, 2015. First thing I want to do is um, apologize for those that were looking for me to be on air live yesterday. Um, I'm still experiencing some soreness in my throat, but it's a lot better today as i was you know doing the lemon and honey thing uh most of the night so my throat's feeling a little bit better today but that's why i was not on air uh yesterday so apologies if if you did not see the post about uh black talk radio news not being on air uh yesterday all right got a lot to um discuss today (laughs) i mean there is a lot to discuss uh first of all um this white woman uh in Washington in I believe it's Spokane, uh Washington that everybody's talking about today on social media. I mean this story is like all over the place. I mean you I can't even uh scroll down the Facebook timeline without seeing most of the um timeline being dominated. Uh, by a story about this woman and I actually, you know, had to go, go ahead and, and put my two cents in it. So, um, I do want to talk about, and I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce her name correctly, uh, Rachel Dolezal. I believe is how you pronounce her name. Rachel Dolezal, uh, want to discuss that situation with her white woman living as a black woman, uh, for years. Okay. 
And let me just say, if a person met her in person or whatnot, had some interactions with her, and they could not see that this was a white woman, then you need to go get your vision checked you know vision works or you know not to give any plugs to any corporations or companies but you know your eyesight wasn't working i'm not even sure if i would buy that she was biracial but you know that's beside the point i think the story is much deeper than what i'm seeing most people comment about i think it goes way past making fun of this woman uh calling her names and and deriding her uh for her choices and i, I just really think it's much deeper in, than that and that's how i tried to approach it uh when i wrote about the story earlier today also another article i've really been on my writing grind uh here lately uh also i wrote an article about benet Embry, Benet Embry. For those who don't, do not know who Benet Embry is, he is the black male who lives in McKinney, Texas, who was on CNN a few days ago, and he basically was engaging in snitching on, on those young black teens that was climbing the fence to get into the pool, and he was also engaging in proxy racism as a tool of white supremacy by taking to white people's press and saying, oh, this wasn't about race. This wasn't about race and people are just making up stuff and, and black people got more to worry about than made up, you know, things that didn't happen. And so, you know, I want to examine that uh, from the perspective of proxy racism and then as an abolitionist, there is another story that caught my eye. Uh, yes, I said abolitionist, if this is the first time you've heard me use that term. Uh, I am a modern day abolitionist in the sense that I believe that slavery was never abolished in this country and I want to bring it to an end. So, and, and I try to do things uh, as far as I have power to do to affect the conversation and educate people on this great evil that has plagued this this continent for centuries. All right. So, if you're one of those walking around believing that slavery had was abolished in 1865 then you are sure you are sorely mistaken and you need to read the 13th amendment um also another article i wrote about was uh carolina panthers rookie shaq thompson uh for those that don't know i because you rarely hear me talk talking about sports unless it's in a social political context and this article was written in a social political uh context but um this young man who was drafted in the first round by the local NFL team uh Carolina Panthers was participating in practice for the first time yesterday because of uh, NFL rules prohibit students from participating in in these activities they call OTA all, all it is is organized training um activities that's all it is all right and it's strictly voluntary but the rules say that if a per uh, um person has been drafted into the nfl and they are still you know going to college that they have to finish up their semester finish up their coursework before they can participate 
in those type of activities. And so he is still working on his degree. Great to hear that because a lot of these, you know, young people, they, when they get drafted into professional sports, they hit the lottery, so to speak. He's a first round draft pick. So he is going to be guaranteed millions of dollars in his first four years. You're going to make some millions. All right. Instant millionaire. And so a lot of them though, when that occurs, when they get drafted, they drop out of school and, and they completely abandon, uh, pursuing their degrees. And so it was good to see that he was pursuing his degree. Now I haven't been able to find out what his major was, but apparently one of the papers that he had, he was required to write, he chose to write about police brutality. Uh, which shouldn't be surprising to anyone considering that he is a black male, uh, considering that his parents are black, considering that it's, you know, he comes out of a black community. All right. So he wrote, he was being asked questions yesterday about it. It was either yesterday or the day before yesterday. Anyway, he was being asked questions about it after the practice was over by the media. And he gave an answer about why he chose to write about it, just a little brief answer. But then the Carolina Panther handlers, you know, people on the staff and whatnot, uh, cut him off and, and, and wouldn't let him continue to answer uh, follow-up questions. And the, the local media around here where I live, because I live just outside of Charlotte, they are not even writing about it. They're not even writing about it. And I have seen no one really write about it in depth except to write a blurb about it. And that's how I found out about it. The ESPN uh, beat writer for the Carolina Panthers was uh, just posting some blurbs about stuff that occurred at the Panthers uh, OTAs. And he just mentioned it in passing, really. And I'm like, what? You know, so I did further research and whatnot. And uh so, yeah, I wrote an article about it because I think, you know, that um these people, professional athletes are a part of our community. All right. And many of them do assist our community by providing services and, and help that they otherwise may not get. So I don't got a problem with, with professional sports. Uh, show me another way that black folks can make millions upon millions of dollars playing the game. You know, it's to me, it's all about what they do with those millions and millions of dollars. Okay. So that's what's on tap for today. If I have time, um, I'll try to get into some other stuff. Uh, Sean Hannity had some more black people on his show on Fox News. And, of course, he was being disrespectful and, and interrupting them. And, that, you know, it, it just, again, I, and I didn't have time to write an article about that. But I spoke about it in the past about why black activists, black people, should stay off of Fox News because again, Fox News, black people don't really watch Fox News. We hear about stuff that has been said on Fox News through social media. We don't actually really sit there in front of our televisions consuming that garbage. All right. That, that's from their own, uh, um, reports about their listening audience. And so what's the point? If you, you know, you going on there thinking you're going to educate white folks about racism and white supremacy and how it works. 
Well, you know, that's being quite foolish because they experts on it. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I, I just find, I just can't find a logical reason for someone to go on a program where they know, where they know if they've been paying attention and they've done their due diligence and research before they go on a program, then they should know that the man is going to be disrespecting them by interrupting them, over talking them. And, and trying to, you know, trip them up and make them stumble over their words and things like that. You have to be fairly, fairly skilled in, in word combat if you are going to go on a program like that. But again, I think you should stay off of white people's press, especially, you know, one that we know, uh, practices racism. There's no doubt that Fox News practices racism. Even President Obama called them out, even though he ain't calling them racist. He said, you know, the way they portray poor people, which is kind of cold word for a black person in politics to, to say, you know, black people. All right. And, and, and let's just say non-white people. So anyway. All right. What's the, well, before I uh, go into this first story, um, the telephone number, if you have uh, something that's caught your eye and you would like to bring it to our attention, get, you know, uh, input on, on it. Feel free to give us a call. Give us a call, 530-881-1400. Access code 549-032-POUND. And to uh, queue up in the conference line, once you dialed in, hit star six and one, and you will be able to uh, signal me that you would like to comment on air. Uh, the other way to connect with me on this broadcast is to give me a call and on the studio line, which is 704-951-5030. Again, that's 704-951-5030. All right, now I'll try to remember to give that number out a few more times during the broadcast. So let me go ahead and uh, jump into this story first let you hear this clip in case you know you've been busy and you ain't you know had time to be on social media and have not seen this story let me pull up the article which i embedded the video and y'all can you know get some in, some information about about it the parents of the spokane naacp leader rachel dolezal say their daughter is not black we start with our team coverage with Krem 2's Taylor Vido. He traveled to northwest Montana to talk with Dolezal's biological parents. He joins us live now from Troy, Montana. Taylor? Well, Rachel Dolezal's parents say they just want people to know the truth. That's why they're speaking out. They say it's not an issue of her being the president of the NAACP or the fact that she's advocating for civil rights. They just say she's going about it deceptively, that she's lying to people. So. First, some background in all of this. She was uh, born here in Troy, Montana in 1977. That's Rachel Dolezal. Her parents say she was actually born in the same house that her parents live in today. She went to school here through seventh grade, then was homeschooled. Dolezal's parents say she always identified with African-American culture and art. She actually had some black siblings who were adopted. She went to college in Mississippi, where she was involved in a primarily African-American community. Dolezal would later marry and divorce a black man. Her parents say it's after that divorce around 2004 when things started to change. They say she started claiming to be African-American and the daughter of biracial parents. Dolezal's birth parents say that's simply not true. 
They say that she has obviously changed her physical appearance. They're not sure how she did that, though. Her parents add that she could still be an advocate for civil rights and African-Americans. That's not the problem. She's just going about it all wrong. Rachel has wanted to be someone she's not. She's she's chosen not to just be yourself, but to represent herself as an African-American woman or a biracial person. And that's simply not true. As for why they're now talking about it, Dolezal's parents say they've never tried to hide anything. They didn't talk about it until they were contacted by a reporter with the Coeur d'Alene Press, the ones who first reported that story. They added that they haven't talked to Rachel about any of this recently. They say that Rachel doesn't have any contact with them and she is asked not to have a relationship with them in any sort of way. All right, so um, there's the one of the reports from White People Press about this white woman who has been living or or portraying herself to be a black person. I don't see how her parents are saying she changed her physical appearance. She looks white to me. Like she may spend some time in a tanning bed and she may have changed her hair to get a perm or whatnot to make it bushy looking. And uh, there are a number of uh, pictures that are floating around of her with her hair in braids and, and things of that nature. And so uh, I don't see how they are saying that, you know, she changed her physical appearance. She looked like a white woman to me. You know, she didn't go and get a melanin injection or anything like that or or walking around in blackface or, or something like that. She just seems to be a tan uh, white woman uh, with a perm <laughs> from the picture I'm looking at right now. But anyway, as to be expected, she is getting a lot of hate thrown her way. Um, she is being, you know, made fun of, picked at and, and whatnot. And so, but let me first say this. She is absolutely practicing deception. Um, it, she has been telling people that she has, um, that she's black or that she has a black heritage or black ancestry. Uh, I think there was one job that she applied for. It wasn't really a job. It was a, where's a job? Even though she volunteered for it, the ombudsman office, which, um, you know, helps to advocate people who are in the criminal justice system, whether they are in prison, whether they're having problems, you know, in court, anywhere through the process. That's my understanding of the ombudsman. Uh, system. We don't have a system like that that I know of here in North Carolina, but I have heard of it before. And on that um, application for that volunteer position, she put on there that she was white slash black slash Native American. Um, her parents, her biological parents, who she doesn't claim, says that she is white. I think they said her ancestry is, is Czechoslovakian, um, also German. And I also think they said something about being Swedish. Huh? But anyway, she's, she's not black. Her parents are white and therefore biologically she is white. All right. And, and so let's just get that out there right now. Is she going out there, which apparently she has telling people that I'm a black woman or I'm a person of, of, of mixed heritage and I got black in me, you know, um, that's wrong. That's deception. She was practicing deception, white deception. Okay. But again, 
I don't think that this story is as simple as some people seem to think it is. You know, I, I, what I want people to do, and I'm interested to get some feedback um, as well. I've gotten some feedback. I guess I could share uh, from people who have commented on the article. But if you want to give me a call, I certainly would like to get some feedback on your thoughts on this. But I'm thinking, I'm trying, I want people to look past the surface of, you know, making fun of this woman and, and, and automatically assuming that she's a quote unquote culture vulture or whatnot. Because I mean, think about, think about that. For someone to really embrace, uh, African heritage like she has and, and we heard from her parents, she been like this all her life. She been like this since she was a little girl. She didn't just, you know, decide one day as an adult that, hey, I'm just going to tell people I'm black. All right. For for reasons that, you know, we have seen people uh try to claim minority, quote unquote, minority status um to to take advantage of affirmative action and, and things like that. So it's not like she just, you know, as an adult decided that, oh, I'm just going to, you know, uh, um, steal black people's identity and I'm going to portray myself as being black. No, this woman apparently, according to her parents, has always had an affinity for black people, has always had an affinity for African culture. She, again, you know, was um, um, had two black siblings that were adopted. And I want to get to that later. Uh, because, you know, a lot of people say, and I agree with them, that there is a problem. There is a problem with, I see a problem with white people adopting black children. And I know that, you know, a lot of these black children are being stuck in the foster system and whatnot. And nobody's getting them out of it. Black people, a lot of black people are not adopting these children. And then, you know, these white people is, is adopting them for various reasons, you know, to abuse them sexually work them as slaves, you know, house servants, whatnot. But the psychological aspect of being a non-white person being raised by white people who, who do not connect, who, who cannot teach you about yourself. You know what I'm saying? That can lead to a lot of confusion. But see, that's not, that's not what we're talking about here. It seems the exact opposite has happened in this case. Instead of the black children, well, I don't know really, so I shouldn't come in. I don't know what the state of mind of her adopted black brother, brothers or sisters. I don't know if they were male or female. I don't know if they walking around with identity crisis and, and you know, with uh, self-hatred and anti-blackness after being raised by white parents. Uh, but for some whatever reason, this woman as a child, as a young child, um, was attracted to blackness and 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 so i should I, I would think that people would take that as a compliment you know what i'm saying i mean because who is the most beautiful people on the face of the planet but black people who has the the richest most beautiful culture on the face of the planet black people and so they say you know imitation is a form of flattery again i'm not excusing it I'm not saying that she didn't practice deception because it's obviously she did practice deception. But let's try to find out what her motivations were for that deception. Again, I, I, I want to repeat again. And it's not like 
at 20 years old, she just, you know, decided, oh, I, you know, I'm going to be a wigger. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a wigger. I'm going to start listening to rap music. I'm going to start, you know, wearing African head scarves and dresses and, and, and things of that nature and, and eating African food. And, and, you know, no, that is not what happened here. This, this woman, as a young, very young person, developed a love for black culture in African uh, culture. So, I, I, you know, some people say she has nefarious motives. I'm not saying she didn't. Again, I don't know. I'm just trying to look at the information that is out there, you know, that has been shared. And so um, what could those possible motivations be? And so in my article, I, you know, I really try to, you know, look at this and analyze this and say, now, why in the hell? With a white woman who already, uh, um, has the ability to take advantage of affirmative action as, you know, white women, uh, benefit from affirmative action more than any other quote unquote minority group in this country. And they have that minority status in the eyes of, of the federal government and state governments and city governments as well. And, and so since they had that status already, well, what, you know, is that, could that be the motive? Did she, you know, at like, y'all remember that story about, what's that, what's that, uh, woman's name? She's an actress, Wendy Kayleen, I believe her name is, Wendy Kayleen. Let me see if I can find it in the article. Um, yeah, Mindy Kayleen, that's not a real name. She's, she's, uh, from India, or her parents are from India, and she's a melanated woman. And so her brother, who is also very melanated, he claimed not that long ago to um, that he got into medical school by posing as a black man so that he could take advantage of affirmative action. So he cut his hair so nobody would see the texture of his hair and they would simply think he, he, he was black. And, and certainly I, I could see that some people, I mean, this dude is darker than I am. He's more melanated than me. So I, I could see that some people would think that this guy w- might just be black if he kept his hair cut, cut short. Um, so anyway, his name is VJ Chocolonga, something like that. You know, again, I don't mean to be sound like I'm being disrespectful and I'm going to work on pronouncing these names, but anyway, um, yeah, some people are questioning his story. Is he just making up this story? Because then he talking about he's looking for a publisher and he wants to write a book about how affirmative action is racist and how affirmative action, you know, promotes the ideal that non-white people can't get into college on their own merit. So he's ignorant about racism and how it works in the United States. He's not from here or, you know, I I, I don't know if he was raised here or not. But I obviously he must not know the um um historical racism and white supremacy that has uh black people have faced in terms of attaining higher education in terms of attaining jobs and and you know things of that nature attaining contracts for their businesses and so he doesn't know why affirmative action uh came to be is to eliminate racism and, and spread the wealth 
in terms of government contracts. And, and so, again, white women are the ones who benefit from this the most. Just the other day on the program, we were discussing that with a listener, how these white women get these companies in their names, but, you know, they are just just figureheads. They're not actually involved in the day-to-day activities of running the business. Their husbands are. And they do that so that they can take advantage of that white woman's minority status and get contracts that otherwise might go to non-white people. So that doesn't appear to be the case with Miss Dolezal. Um, she, it, there is no evidence that I have seen that she claimed to be black on a college application and to, and, and that she was awarded affirmative action a, a affirmative action slot to go to to go you know get her education higher education i don't see any evidence of that and so i have to based on the evidence rule out that as motivation that yeah she she was just trying to take advantage but again she's a white woman she don't have to do that she don't have to do that you know, maybe, maybe in terms of higher education, but everything else, hell, she got minority status, man. So, uh, you know, that's not, you know, calling herself black is actually going to help hurt her in terms of taking advantage of, of affirmative action for white women. All right. So I, I, I had to rule that out as motivation. So, you know, I didn't see any financial motivation in, in, in that area. All right. So, I mean, what what other motivations could she might have possibly have to identify as black or African-American and not as a white person? You know, now she is the NAACP local chapter leader. Did she lie about that? Did, did she put that on her application? You know, I, I don't know. The NAAC is ta- NAACP is talking and they are doing an investigation and I linked to their press release, but they don't seem to be throwing her under the bus. And they even document the history of that particular chapter in Spokane, Washington, which has a, a black population of less than 2%. I think they said something like 1.3, 1. point somewhere around there, less than 2%. And said that this isn't the first time a white person in Spokane, Washington has been the chapter president of the NAACP. I mean, I can recall stories. I think there was one story of, of a white male who was running the local NAACP uh, down in, in a county in Texas. Because, see, you know, they can't discriminate against people who want to join the NAACP, you know, because they got that 501c3 status and they can't discriminate and tell white people they can't join or they'll lose all their money, you know, from all the white people that they, that fund them. And, and, and so they can't do that. And the way the NAACP work, the way that you become president is they have an election. And the way a um man that I had an opportunity to interview in Charlotte some years ago who was attempting to become an NAACP chapter president in Charlotte 
he was saying that usually the way it go is, you know, you recruit people to become due paying members of the NAACP. And so if you've recruited a lot of people and, and you play politics, meaning, you know, you stay in touch with these people and, you know, call them and email them and, and, you know, just, just playing politics, being a politician. And that usually those people will vote for you to become president so somebody voted for this woman to become president now did she misrepresent herself to them and saying she was a black person or native american mixed with black and white and and all of that i don't know i don't know that the naacp is as far as i know um investigating that but i didn't know i don't know if you had to fill out an application I've never tried to join the NAACP. I've had people try to recruit me, but, you know, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. But then, so, if people want to say, well, you know, the black person, a black person could have had that spot in the NAACP. Well, you know, as far as I know, most conscious black people do not give a whole lot of credence and credibility to the NAACP to begin with. And that's not to say I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those. I, I, you know, because I know of different chapters around the country that have engaged in some, some great activities involving counter racism and standing up and speaking out and trying to lend assistance. It's just not happening in, in my local area, uh, uh, so far that I have seen. You know, I still haven't seen the NAACP do a dang gone thing about the black uh, uh, um, Korean War veteran who was gunned down in his own home, Mr. James Allen. You know, I talked to the one in Charlotte, the lady in Charlotte. I actually interviewed her and she told me about, you know, the guy in Gastonia that runs the chapter over here and, and she'll have him email me if I want to provide any support and whatnot. Never heard from him. Never heard from him. And they ain't done nothing done nothing to to put any pressure on Gaston County surrounding the murder of James Allen in his own home all right and they, that that case as far as I know is still open I've been trying to keep up with it and um I haven't really been getting a lot of information about it but it, again though if you're one of those people that say, well, well, maybe a black person should have had that, that position. Just cause a black person running something does not mean that they are going to do anything to combat racism. They might do the exact opposite and give cover to racists. We've seen it happen in the past. But again, you know, let's consider also, which I point out in my article, that the founders of the NAACP were, were a white man, a white woman in W.E.B. Du Bois, a black male. So it's always been run by white people. And if we look at it today, where do they get their biggest fund funding from? You think they're getting their funding from all those black people paying them, you know, dues or what? I don't know how much they play paying dues, you know, $20 a month, $20 a year, you know, no, that that is not how they get the majority of their operating budget. You know how they get the majority of their operating budget? From white-owned corporations. Like Wells Fargo, like, you know, I was about to say Wachovia. I keep forgetting Wells Fargo bought up uh, Wachovia, Bank of America, Duke Energy, power companies. But, you know, 
racist suspects, man. White supremacists. They fund the NAACP. Now, again, I'm not on here to trash the NAACP. I'm just stating, you know, making statements of fact. So I don't, I, I don't think it is logical to assume that, you know, she was taking something from black people in terms of running the local NAACP in her chapter, which again, in Spokane, Washington has a very, 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 very low percentage of black people living in that city anyway. So I don't see her as taking a black person's position at the NAACP when white people started the NAACP and white people fund provide most of the funds for their operating budget so i don't see that as being you know motive or or anything like that now what's another reason that that she might be rejecting her whiteness because she being anti-white you know that's what she being she's rejecting it she's rejecting her white heritage her white culture she you know isn't interested in learning about german culture She's not interested in learning about Swedish culture and whatnot. And I forgot what other white, white ethnicity that she said, you know, her parents said that uh, she was. But no, she wasn't interested in, in white culture. She was interested in black culture since she was a little girl. So could it, is it possible? Is it possible that this woman doesn't want to identify as being black because she don't like white people or maybe she's anti-white because of the history of white people of being oppressors of being genocidal maniacs of being thieves rapists and and you know enslavers killers warmongers i mean that is their history now come on these again i'm not on here to to, to be anti-white i'm not anti-anything but i'm you know i'm just making statements of fact and the fact is these people have a history of mistreating other people all over the planet so it's possible that that's one of the reasons why she don't want to identify as a white person that she doesn't want to be connected to those heinous crimes against humanity that's possible that's possible i mean isn't it i mean think about it if black people can be self-hating anti-black is it therefore possible for a white person to be anti-white and self-hating it's possible so again i'm just trying to dig past or go past the surface of this and dig just a little bit deeper than the headlines out there that's ridiculing uh, this woman. I think I would like to put her under a microscope. I would love to have a licensed psychologist or sociologist interview this woman. Is it possible that she has a mental illness? That she has some kind of, you know, identity a crisis that she has been dealing with since she was a young girl for any number of reasons so you know those are my thoughts I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it if people want to comment on it you know they, they most certainly can I just you know I just think that this is a very interesting story 
I think that, you know, because I've been told, I've been told that, you know, you can't get white people to act on a black person's behalf. And I just know that's, that's untrue. Now, you know, the number of white people who have done things on the behalf of black people or against racism, white supremacy, their numbers are minuscule. You know, a drop in a bucket. There are not enough of them practicing anti-racism for them to make a difference in anything. You know what I'm saying? So let me, you know, let me just state, let me just state that. But there have been some, there have been some, for whatever reasons, they engage in counter-racism and were anti-white supremacy. I've talked about political prisoners of the, um, man, what, what's the name of that? Down their name is the United Freedom Front. Some of them still locked up in prison from, from the things that they did in the 80s to, uh, pressure the U.S. government and corporations to stop supporting apartheid in South Africa. So it's highly possible because see, we tend to ignore certain areas of warfare like psychological warfare and we seem to think that that is impossible but we I can't think of anybody that's ever attempted such a thing I think I've said in the past you know maybe we need to start adopting white children and training them up to be anti-racist and, and, and spies and for them to infiltrate you know, white, white supremacist organizations, and that includes governments. I'm not just talking about skinhead Nazis. I'm talking about police departments. Thing. You know what I'm saying? Cause see, I do not believe in white supremacy. I don't believe in it. I acknowledge that people believe in it and, and, and that the system operates from a white supremacist power, uh, uh, base. But that doesn't mean I believe in the superiority of white people. Anything they can do, I feel like we can do if we put our minds to it. So, I don't, I, I don't know. Those, those are my thoughts on that. Um, I do see we have a caller. Uh, caller, give me just a moment. Let me take a station identification break because I try to take them every 30 minutes and I'm overdue. Uh, sometimes I get distracted when I'm, you know, the only one engineering the program and trying to host it. So please be patient. Um, your call is important and, and I will get to you in just a second. We're going to take a short station identification break, pay a public service announcement, and then we will come back. Uh, remember the telephone number to get in is 530-881-1400. The access code is 549-032-POUND. Star six and one to come in on air. The other way to get in on the broadcast is to call seven zero four nine five one five zero three zero. We'll be back on the other side. Well, baby, it's complicated, but I'm gonna tell you a story, and here we go. Things that it's turned upside down. Something is killing our trust, killing our love. I'ma fight back right now. Right now. I'ma fight back right now. Right now. 
Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo kicks off on July 17th through the 19th in Atlanta, Georgia. The Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo was established in 2012 by Rooster Fruits and the Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Association for the strong purpose of providing quality, culturally-based resources, educational training, and support to black African homeschooling, non-homeschooling parents, and educators alike. This work is to assist in the cultivation of excellence and empowerment of our black children. The Expo also provides a thriving outlet and platform for small black independent businesses that specialize in retailing and or creating culturally conscious products and or services for the development of our youth. For more information on the Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo that will be occurring during the weekend of July 17th through the 19th in Atlanta, go to Liberated MindsExpo.com. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. All right, welcome back. Scotty Reed in for this broadcast from behind these enemy lines known as the USA. All right, uh, we got a caller, uh, a voice over IP caller. Uh, give us your name if you choose. You don't have to, but uh, go ahead, give us your name, and go ahead with your question, comment, or observation. Well, I'm known as Blacker in these, uh, in these circles. So. Hey, how you doing, Blacker? All right. Um, yeah, uh, this, uh, this lady in the NAACP thing. Yes. This is, you know, this is a slippery slope we have created here. You know, everybody wants a title. And you know we gotta and we gotta respect everyone's title with the Bruce Jenner thing and the same thing with the, um, mm-hmm. with, the, with the person from Orange Is the New Black. You know they're not they're not men. I mean they're not women, but you know we can't say that without us being considered some sort of a shamer. You you gender shame. I don't know some kind of shaming. You know so where does this line? Where do we draw a line at now? See if they can do it and get away with it and it be cool and everybody be cool with it. I don't understand what the problem is now. If she wants to be black. Then why is why is it a problem? Because we ain't because we, we ain't drawing that line for nobody else. I, I I agree um completely with your observation. I've noticed the same thing as well, and I actually linked to an article um about that. Um, let me see if I can uh, find it right quick. Uh, let me see. It is on Let's Talk About It dot com, and they posed the question. Well, I, I I worded it in my own words, but and and I said. Is it possible? Again, I don't know because I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I don't study this, you know, uh, but I think it's interesting. And so is it possible that you brought up Bruce Jenner, who has transitioned to this person called Caitlyn Jenner after he's lived decades as a man and not only as a man, but had children and, and produced children and started families as a man. And so, but now everybody's saying, I agree with you. They are saying, you know, uh, 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 why can't, you know, she, why do we have to refer to him in this kind of way? And now people are not saying the same thing in terms of Miss Dolazal. And could it be, is it possible, caller? Do you think, Blacker, that it's possible for a person to be born black and born into the, uh, uh, the wrong body, so to speak, the way we hear about these transsexuals, that they're really females born in male bodies or vice versa? Is that possible? No, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know if, if race would would qualify as as that type of thing. That you know that you're either born, that you're born wrong. I don't know because uh, I, I just don't know. 
Hmm. Because I don't need such a, uh, race is such is it's um well they say it's no such thing as as race except the human race. So I don't know if if in in most of the stuff that we consider race is just is culture anyway. Right. So I don't, I don't know I don't know if you can be can I don't know if you would be born in a white family and feeling black because you know I don't I don't I don't know. I yeah, don't, I don't know. I can't uh, call that one. Yeah, people's calling it the article that I linked to. They're calling it transracial, but I and like I asked in my article, I'm like, is there really such a thing as a transracial person? You know, playing off a of transgender people. Right. I mean, is that a real thing? And I could not find any fields of study on this, but I did find that the ter- that the term transracial is a real thing. And interestingly, it applies to non-white children being adopted by right. white people. Or it, it, it could also refer to, I guess, you know, white children being adopted by black people. Although I've never actually seen that occur. I've never seen that either. I thought about that the other day. I've never seen a, a, a black couple with a white child. Yeah. And so, so the, um, article that I found on that was actually from two years ago on CNN. And they were saying that a lot of these children, like, for example, the family that they use, it was talking about a black female and she was adopted by a, a white couple and mm-hmm. they sterilized the environment and they didn't even talk about race, you know, try, mm-hmm. you know, colorblind. We're going to be colorblind in this house. And she grew up confused and had an identity crisis as a result. And she said while she appreciates everything that her parents did for her, her adopted parents did for her, that she thought it was wrong for them to strip her of her cultural and racial identity. And she had, you know, identity problems as a result. And this is something we have long talked about in terms of white people adopting non-white children, particularly black children. So, uh, I mean, it's an interesting study. Your thoughts? Well, Scott, I will, I will tell you this now. There are, there are some cases, and this is particularly in India, and I, I haven't heard, well, no, it's been, it's been a couple of cases in, in, in England as well, or all over the UK, where some people, where some children have, have, uh, been born and they say they were reincarnated as they were they lived before and they re- reincarnated as another person but i don't know if, if, if this would be the same thing i don't know if check this out like a supernatural thing check this out black because you just reminded me of, i had a conversation earlier today with my mother about this story and then she said you know she she said something about hearing a story in Africa and I told her it wasn't Africa it was actually in the UK where you had this white couple who had twins and one yeah, was one born black, black one and one was born white you remember that story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're grown too they did a follow up on that story and those two girls are grown well they're grown they're older now I think uh, 15 or 16 teenagers now yeah hmm so uh, again, I'm just trying to get people to critically think about this story and just get past the surface of, you know, the derision that she's getting, the name calling and, and all of that. Cause I think it's a very interesting story and I would yeah, love I to talk to her to, to get some of these questions answered. But you know, I think, um, this, this, this is going to come up too. You know, this, uh, this thing we have created about, you know, everybody can be whatever they want to be. And we can't say anything about it because it would be considered, you know, shaming this person. Mm-hmm. You know, wh- however they do it, everything is just shaming the person. Everybody got a title, and if, they, and if you don't respect that title, then you're shaming them. 
or, or whatever. You know, and that's gonna I, I don't I think if she wants to be black and it's as silly as she looks if she wants to be black, I figure, you know, let her go ahead and do that. Because you got like you got that Caitlin fool running around out here I mean and you know, that freak show. You got him he says he's a woman and everybody, you know, don't say anything about her. If you do, we'll just ostracize you. People lose their livelihood saying something about Bruce Jenner. But you know, if, if this girl wants to be black, I say let her be black. And another thing too, um um someone posted over here on Tumblr about uh NAACP's uh, rules against this certain thing and it says you can't, no one is um, qualified or denied because of their racial identity Mm -hmm. I was talking about that earlier, did you hear me? Oh, I didn't hear you say that, no Yeah, because, I mean, you think about it, you're a 501c3 you know, uh, got federal non-profit status, then obviously you're not a private institution, and so you have to, you know, be open to hiring anyone that's qualified. You can't discriminate well, because of race. Because on the application, and I think I think that could be that could be that could be uh, considered um, deceitful. What's that? If you lie on the application. Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I don't even know if you fill out an application to join the NAACP. And if they ask you for your race, just like this other position she had as an old, old, I think you pronounce it old budsman, you know, as an advocate. And it's a volunteer mm-hmm. position on there. She put her ethnicity or race down as white, black mm-hmm. and Native American. Okay. So. Well, I think this is just um, to me because I've never been. I've never been um, any kind of a supporter of the NAACP. I think this is just another nail in their coffin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, like I was saying earlier, I mean, it was founded by white people and it's funded yeah, yeah. mostly yeah. by white people today. So, you know. This is so irrelevant and, and it's just so <laughs> impotent. Yeah. Now, um, there was an article that I shared in the comments of this article um, that I wrote about her where I asked, you know, is this woman... Um, does she hate being born white and and suffering from self hatred? Um, mm-hmm. um, anti racism media, uh, which is run by one one of my good friends, Robin Bitten. Um, he will be uh, on air tonight, listeners. At I think nine o'clock is when Race Treaty airs. Yeah, and he'll have Doctor mm-hmm. uh, Randall on tonight. But he shared an article from Northeastern. Uh, university in the magazine, Northeastern magazine, um, volunteer, it's called Voluntary Negroes. Voluntary Negroes, a groundbreaking book documents six white women who played key roles in the Harlem Renaissance. Let me just share a couple of passages with, of this. In the early 1900s, the black community used the term voluntary Negroes to refer to African Americans who remained in the community even though they had coloring quote unquote fair enough to pass as white it's astonishing to learn that they weren't the only volunteers that dozens of white women during the Harlem Renaissance aligned themselves with the African American culture for reasons ranging from a sense of social justice to a passion for the arts nicknamed Miss Ann in the black community, these largely upper class women played important roles in the Harlem Renaissance, an extraordinary period from the 1920s to the early 1930s when African American culture flourished. More than mere flappers seeking thrills at the cotton club, Miss Anne's were patrons, meaning that they, they gave money, were patrons of the arts, activists, writers, friends, 
and even lovers. And, and y'all can read the uh, rest of that. Um, there's another book. It's called Miss Anne in Harlem, The White Woman of the Black Renaissance. And so I, it's a pretty interesting uh, uh, read. And so, again, you know, I just don't want people to try to simplify this story and to dig deeper because this is this is a phenomenon that apparently has happened in our community in the past. But, Scotty, what about um, um, the lady? I can't her, her last name was Hearst. When she got uh, she was kidnapped by the um, uh, uh, Patty Hearst. Patty Hearst. She she that was. Her her situation was sort of like that too. It was kind of like a reverse Stockholm syndrome. Well, I wouldn't know reverse Stockholm syndrome, but it was a, a Stockholm syndrome of sorts. And I think it would be the same thing as these Miss Ann ladies, wouldn't it? If they spend, well, let me. I I wouldn't say it in terms because you know I didn't read the entire article there, but it seems like these white women weren't passing trying to pass themselves as off as black. As well, neither Patty Hearst. No, she just she, no, she just sympathized with the cause after a while. R- right, 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 and that's what I was going to get to. I would apply perhaps Patty Hearst's situation more closely with this woman we're talking oh, yeah. about now. You think so? You think so? It, it, look, her parents said from a very early age that she has always Patty identified. Patty wasn't like that until she got kidnapped, though. She she had no dealings with these people until after she got kidnapped. I don't think now. No, she was a a, a, a heiress to the Hearst uh, paper yeah. fortune and whatnot, or and, and whatnot. She didn't spend as much time. As with those people, I don't know how long she was in captivity, but it wasn't years. Okay, it wasn't in years. But by the end of that, apparently she, you know, felt strongly enough or started to identify with them that, hell, she robbed a bank with them. You know what I'm saying? And wasn't trying to get away from them. So I'm just saying that this woman has had more long-term exposure to African culture and black people than Patty Hearst. So it's possible that that could have had a psychological impact on, on her identity crisis she having now. Right. Well, you know, um, I grew up in, uh, DC and of course back when I grew up there, and this was in the, uh, the late seventies, um, it was a completely black city. I mean, you would go months on months without seeing a white face in person. Mm-hmm. It would be some people would, you would, it would be some, uh, some of the guys and they would, they would bring, they would bring, they would have a, they get a white woman from wherever they wherever they got them from, and you would see this person one day, and then the next day they would be like, well, not the next day, maybe a, a couple of weeks later, they would be completely trans transformed into. Uh, you would think they were just you would think they were always black, but they weren't because you saw them when they first came, mm-hmm. and then after they'd been around the neighborhood for a little while, they would be just almost completely black. Or black acting anyway. Yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah, they have yeah. A, become what they even came up with a word for it, didn't they? Wiggers. I can't remember. Wiggers. I think that's regular. I don't even like that word. I think it's relatively new. I don't even. I don't even. I don't use that. Yeah, I mean, I but that's the term that emerged when I was coming up. Yeah, yeah that could be the case. To right. describe yeah. it. <laughs> so. But yeah, um, I don't. You know, I don't. Know, this is a weird thing. Like I said, uh, if she has, she, she she's got that. She's got some legs to stand on because you know, hey, this is what I want to be, and this is a society where people be what they want to be, right? That's what we've been doing all along. So you just leave me alone. I mean, I the only care. thing I'm, I can see black people can do is just pick at her and make fun of her. I mean, she, she a white woman, okay? Yeah, she can use her whiteness on you. These, these, these dudes <laughs> dressed up as women are, to me, they're still dudes. I don't know. 
I can't even play that game with you. <laughs> it's an interesting case study. I, I, I just, you know, just want people to dig past the surface of just making fun of people and trying yeah. to understand why they are acting this way. What could have happened in their lives or yeah. in the environment that can cause them to act like this? Because, you, and I do want to move on to the next topic, but let me ask you this, uh, Blacker, uh, um, what do you think is more dangerous to our community? A person like her or a person like, like, you know, a Clarence Thomas and, and what people call house Negroes, even though I don't like using that term, I use the term proxy racist, right, right. you know, two black tools of, or non white tools of racism. So who do you see as being more damaging? Well, you know, I'm going to think, I'm going to think the, uh, the proxy will be probably more damaging because they don't want to be this. And to me, they can get rid of it. And that's what they would do. Her, she wants to be. She stepped over here. She, this is what she wants. I don't think she would be doing too much to damage it outside just looking silly. But uh, Clarence Thompson, yes, of course, a whole lot more uh, damaging. Mm-hmm. All right, Blacker. Well, I'm, I'm going to uh, take you out of the queue. If you want to chime in a little later, just hit star six and one again. All right? All right. All right. All right. Let me uh, go to another caller, okay? It's it's 5 o'clock. Let me take a short station identification. You're listening to Black Talk Radio um, News with Scotty Reed. Tando Radio Show will be on air today. It will be on air following this program, so make sure y'all stay tuned. Uh, he's going to be talking about the fraud of the Federal Reserve, if I remember his email correctly, and uh, we'll get that information uh, posted uh as I wrap up this program uh, shortly before uh, 6. So, um, yeah, y'all stay tuned. I'll be right back. I'll see the next caller, and I am going to come to you, so stay tuned. This is Brother Elliot, host of Time for an Awakening, and you're listening to Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennium. Houston, Texas, you are invited to the Sundiata Okoli Shaka Sankofa Community Garden on the first Saturday of the month up until September to learn gardening skills from the head gardener and build together with the community. They are looking for people to come out ready to work and get their hands dirty. You do not have to have any experience in gardening. All food grown from the garden is available to the community. The garden was named after Sundiata Akoli, who is a political prisoner that has been enslaved for more than 40 years, and comrade in struggle, Shaka Sankofa, who was killed June 22nd in 2000. Sundiata, when asked what we can do in support of the political prisoner, said, build a garden. We must be able to do for self in the name of self-determination. The garden is located at 2428 sophomore in Houston, Texas. Again, come out on the first of every month starting around 7 o'clock a.m. If you have an event that is free and open to the public and want to announce it on Black Talk Radio, send an email to admin at blacktalkradionetwork.com. I have another job for you, Willie. What's that? We need money. So I have a bank job case. 
The only thing about it is I can't have the job connected with the Cobras. <laughs> How are you going to do that? We use <clears throat> Red Beans, Benny Rooster, Pomani, JT, Johnny, and Tom. And you lead the team. All the yellow niggas, right? Look, man, I am tired of that. I am not passing. I am black. Do you hear me, man? Do you understand? I am black. I'm a nigga. Do you understand me? I was born black. I live black. And I'm going to die probably because I'm black. Because some cracker that knows I'm black better than you, nigga, is probably going to put a bullet in the back of my head. Stick up. Put your hands up. Move. Get on the wall. Move. Get on the wall. Get up. Now, move. Put your hands up. Hands up. I'm glad I remembered to share that because that is a scene from the movie The Spook Who Sat By The Door uh, based on the book by Sam Greenlee. Uh, that movie was, of course, you know, racist man and woman wasn't going to let y'all see that in the theater. But you can watch it on YouTube, all right? Just just Google it up. But it, it reminds me of that scene, this this story about this woman passing, trying to pass for black, but really she looked white to me, but it reminded me of the character, the guy looks white to me, all right? Uh, but he was telling, he was telling, um, you know, the black CIA agent who was a revolutionary that, hey, I'm black. I grew up black. I live black and I'm probably going to die cause I'm black cause some cracker know better than you. All right. So that, that, it reminded me of that, that, uh, film. Let me go to, uh, the phone line. Thank you for holding on per, um, patiently anonymous. Please go ahead with your question, comment or observation. Hey Scotty, um, this is four hundred four. Can can am I being heard? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, Scotty, um, I have to totally disagree with you and a buddy of mine that I was telling um on this situation with this woman who was passing for being black. Now I have to ask myself why it is that a white woman is going to decide that she wants to so-called be black. What benefit is it of um for her in trying to be black? 
Because when I look around, as I told him, when I look around and I see all of these Native Americans, so-called Native Americans that were taken over by white people, I go to Australia, I go to New Zealand, um, you know, you go all around the globe. White people are the only people on the planet who likes to steal other people's identity and assume their identity and like to set themselves up as being expert on every culture and every civilization. You don't see that happen with nobody else. You don't see the Chinese, the Indians. Nobody goes around the globe trying to take other people's identity to be them. But white people does it. And there's something, the reason why it's being done. Because when I read articles about white people going into minority status and their birth rate numbers, and then all of a sudden you keep seeing what all these all these different Pew researches coming up with who's the largest um, this multiracial group and white people want to put themselves into this group and say okay they're Native Americans and all of that there's something that's going on because I can see what's going to happen to us the African continent is going to get taken over the same doggone way these Native American tribes were taken over by Europeans who are running around here saying that they're natives and, and, and something needs to be done about it and no she, she's not I would never ever accept no white person as being black I don't care you could you can eat all the colored greens, the ham hocks, you know, your pig guts, whatever you want to eat. I don't care. You ain't black. Black is just not how you are, what you identify as or what you eat or how many or rap lyrics that you can sing. I, it's not that. It's a cultural identity. And I'm not about to give it up or let somebody come along and appropriate my culture from me. And the next thing you know, five, six generations from now, you see all these people running around here saying that they're Africans. And then all of a sudden, then they're going to get their reparations because they don't look black, they're not African, just like they did with the Native Americans. That's the same scenario we're setting ourselves up for. This woman positioned herself there because this is a way for her to get ahead for where she wants to go. She put herself, she's running this African American Studies Department at this university. She's some adjunct professor there. She, she is claiming that, you know, she's black. Her parents saying that, that, that she's not. Her parents said they, they were Czech, German, and of course they slipped in the Native American. You know, they always got to slip that little piece in there. But they said that they, they, they got no black. The only black they got in them is these children that they adopted. So why are we running around? And why are we always so happy if somebody white comes along like we did with Tina Marie? We did it with all these other, other singers that came along and they stole all of our doggone music. Pat Boone and his ugly white shoes come around here singing songs and messing all up everybody else's song and making money off of it. Are we always happy when somebody white come along and they can sing and dance like black people? We get all happy. We throw everything at them. What's the matter with us? Okay. Um, let me comment on a couple of things that you said. First, let me ask you this question. Did she, do you think she could pass for white? Would you, If you came across no. her on the street, excuse me, if you passed her on the street, would you think she was black? No. So she's not, not passing. She's not passing as black. Not to but, she, but she, but, but she is saying, you know, the, the point of the matter is like, like I watched one of those interview clips, Scotty, when the person asked her, um, are you African American? And she said, well, what kind of question is that? You see, right away, she, she already lying. She already practicing deceit right there. You see all these pictures that she posted up with her. Oh, I finally, I'm, I'm going natural now and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And all these other things she's saying about herself. That when the question was asked point blank, to her, she run away. She she she's gonna say, "Well, what, 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 if somebody asks me if I'm black, you know, why I gotta think about it?" Oh, well, if she has a I mental, am. if she has a mental illness, a, a legitimate mental illness and confusion, because her parents said she's been like this since a child. 
So that's no, why no, I'm no, saying. No, no, Scotty. Don't oh, make can, okay. We don't, we don't make excuses. Racism, okay, can can okay. Let's let's be respectful of each other. I, I didn't interrupt you. Please let me finish. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. So. Again, I'm not making excuses. I hope you don't think that's what you're hearing from me. I'm not making excuses. I put in my article, make no mistake, and I started off the program saying, make no mistake, this woman is practicing deception. Now, what I said was, I want to look further and deeper into this. And I went through the article and said, well, what could her possible motivations be? Could it be so she could take advantage of of affirmative action? Well, she's a white woman. They already take advantage of affirmative action more than anyone else. So how would that benefit her to claim that she is black? And as far as I know, she did not get into college as you know an affirmative action slot taking that slot from somebody else i don't know i could be wrong but again I, i'm just based off the evidence that i see now i asked the question okay now how would it benefit her to be claiming that she's black because black folks you know we know we on the bottom of the food chain so what kind of benefit could she get from claiming that she's black. Now, again, I have to always consider her background. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put her in the same category as a Tim Wise, you know, the white anti-racist who's taking up space from black activists and, and, and things of that nature. I'm not going because as far as I know, Tim Wise didn't get into this anti-racism game until he was an adult. Again, this woman parents said that since she was a child, she had two black siblings, adopted siblings, that she has always identified with, with African or black people, has always liked culture. So I'm looking at this from, she's been this way since she was a child. This isn't a Tim Wise who just say, hey, I can make money as a white person coming out take uh, uh, talking about racism. I just can't find any benefit to a white. Now, like you mentioned, I do see a benefit when these white people uh claim to be Native Americans and, and, and look at the Cherokee tribe out there in Oklahoma now. Them white people, them ain't indigenous people. Exactly. They, they look white to me. But see, black people, we don't have that status that they get. Not to say that they are, and I'm not talking about the ones that's faking the funk. I'm talking about the real indigenous people who are being oppressed in this country. See, we don't even have have status like that. We don't have our own reservations in our own land where we can build casinos or whatever the hell else we want to build and be out from under the U.S. government, even though they ain't out from under the U.S. government. But we ain't being paid reparations like you mentioned. So I, I don't see no benefit that a white person would have in in pretending to be uh um black. I, I just don't see any benefit to that. Could I could I answer sure. that? Sure. Go ahead. Go you? ahead. What what I see in um with her, as you said, um these Native Americans didn't all of a sudden get where they are today. Because if you go back to the Dolls Rose and where they started rolling themselves way back in the eighteen hundreds mm-hmm. and it t- it took some time before they finally built up enough numbers and they pushed through legislation to where now they're getting where they are today in 2015. This is a start for them to do the same thing to black people to appropriate our culture, our identity, 
and 50 to 75 years from now, because pe black people are still running around here talking about that one-drop rule, mm -hmm. which is something left over from slavery. They have nothing to do with us because we didn't come up with that one-drop rule. That mm -hmm. was the white man who came up with that rule just so he don't have to give these children that he make on the plantation any inheritance. Mm -hmm. But we are still hearing black people running around with that one-drop rule in order to say, okay, well, if you got one drop, you black. No, you, no, you're not. We didn't define that for ourselves. And this is the same thing that I'm seeing happen when they're starting this ball rolling from now is going to roll along to the to, to the to the Latin Americas, these all other countries where they already got problems over there, identifying themselves as being black, like Sami Sosa's and those other people. And it's going to move to the African continent. And before you know it, 50 from 100 years from now, you can see all these people running around who don't look nothing like Africans, who will say, no, they're Africans, and now they're taking over the continent, and now, you know, we out. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that you have, I, I think you have a legitimate concern about that, that that is something that, that could happen down in the future. Maybe that's what they're aiming for, but I'm saying, I'm looking at her as an individual case. I don't think that, okay. that she would, I'm not, I'm not dismissing any of the concerns. I share those concerns that you just raised, but I'm saying I'm looking at her as an individual who, because of what her parents said she was doing as a child. And I also, I don't know if you heard this 404, but I was saying, you know, I wonder, you know, now you know for yourself, that we got a lot of self-hating black people among us, right? And and, mm -hmm. and, 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 and they just do so much to try to be accepted by the dominant white society that they will act as proxy racist tools and harm other black people. So we know it's black people running around with that psychological problem of, of self-hatred and anti-blackness. So one of the questions I ask in this individual case, I'm not talking about, you know what I'm saying, the stuff that has happened in the past with the indigenous people and the concerns that you have about the future, because I think those are legitimate concerns. I'm just talking about on this in individual case. Is it mm -hmm. possible that white people as individuals, that some of them could end up being self-hating whites? Because they got a lot to hate themselves about if they know their real history and culture. I'd be a damn shame, too. But 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 self-hating in what way to elevate themselves? Because this woman, her position that she's holding right now, the volunteer. where she's um, this, this professor, this adjunct mm -hmm. professor in African studies that she is teaching there. Mm -hmm. We don't know. We would have to go back to see the screening criteria. Who else was up for this position? Right, right. And if by virtue of her putting that down there for herself... She eliminated a legitimate black candidate from getting that post. Have you because seen that? Have you, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but somebody okay. brought that up to me, and I tried to look for the information, the article that they shared with me. It did not say anything about her filling out the application and saying she was black, white, and Native American to get that adjuncted uh, professor position, but she did put that on the application for that volunteer position as the ombudsman. So did you see an article where it mentioned that she put that because the woman who was over that, uh, who hired her actually is saying she don't want to, she don't even want to talk about it. Well, you know, you know, white people are good. You see, there you can see where white people colluded with each other. So because it's a white woman she, who hired her. 
she this university she is she's in um, Washington State. Washington State is a white is one of the whitest mm-hmm. states that you can get to out there in Washington State. Okay. So the so and she's out there teaching at this university out in Washington State. And whoever this the committee was that when they put together this panel within mm-hmm. which to hire these candidates for this um position that she's holding down. Mm-hmm. I am sure that they probably have um, on this panel, I'm sure that they, they had a criteria when mm-hmm. they filled out this application. And she could have jumped up in there by her putting this information down there mm-hmm. and listening to all of this volunteer work that she's done. And she worked with the black community and she's so vested in the black community. She could have knocked out a legitimate black person from that position, which is why I'm saying her individually by saying what she is doing. She's affecting a lot of black people because now she's confusing people like Tim Wise running around here saying because because you like the aesthetic like a Tina Marie and all these other people who identify closely with a black culture. They like it so much, you know, they immerse themselves in it. That does not give you the ability to come in and dominate and take over people's cultures because that's what white people do. When they come in, they don't take a back seat. They come and they come right up to the front and they dominate and they take over everything and they're more blacker than me and you who've been always black all of our lives. Mm-hmm. We got black parents, but but look how she's acting. She's acting so dominant more than me and you, Scotty. You know, and um, one of the things that was mentioned about the NAACP position she's taken up in Spokane, Washington, is that this isn't the first time a white person has held that position, and also that they have a very, very low uh, percentage of black people living in that city. And and from what I know, Washington is a pretty white state. You know, like yep. you like you mentioned mentioned you know uh, Washington State. So um, yeah, I, I mean, again, I'm not dismissing anybody's concerns but I, I just think this is a very very interesting case study it is an interesting case study um, and it's not so much with the NAACP because there have been many chapters of the NAACP my husband is from Louisiana they have many chapters in Louisiana that has white people as mm-hmm. president of chapters in Louisiana in mm-hmm. Georgia I believe the chapter in Savannah Georgia there's um, a white woman is in charge of that chapter, NAACP chapter. So it's not so much as white people in there, because white people have always been um, a part of the Urban League and the NAACP from its inception. Right. The whole point that I have a concern with is this woman running around here lying and fronting, you know, from the braids to, to, the, to the style of dress to everything else, that she's doing appropriate other people's culture. I don't have a mind if you appreciate my culture. I appreciate Indian food. I go to a lot of Indian restaurants and I eat their food, but you don't see me walk around there with a sari or a red dot in the middle of my head. Right. I'm not going to do that. I'm right. not going to walk around in a Chinese or a Japanese kimono because I appreciate the Asiatic culture. I, I'm not going to do that. But white people have a way of them like they do when they come into Buddhism and all of these other yoga and everything, and they just take it over. They take it mm-hmm. over, they put their own spin upon it, now it's theirs. They don't come in and appreciate things for the way it is. They got to come in and change it up. Mm-hmm. And that's what I got an issue what, with. What, let me let me ask you this question. I want to move on to the next uh, story about uh, uh, what's this guy's name? Let me pull up his name again. The black uh, radio host who went on CNN talking oh, about yeah, that, the, yeah, the guy from yeah, I want Bennett or something like that. Yeah, I want to jump. I want to jump to him um, in, in just a bit. But um, what was I about to um, what was I about to bring up? I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. 404, I'm sorry about that. I lost my train of thought. Don't, don't worry about this, Scotty, because, you know, that stuff out here with, with, with the um the situation in um in McKinney, it's, you know, it's been trending, but it's not it's not um really a big issue because now 
I'm seeing that, you know, even though with what's his name being fired, case boat, he mm-hmm. still got a protection of police officers are protecting him and his family. Now, here it is that you got fired from the force and everything, but he still got a benefit of um, executive protection. Right, and he hasn't been charged with assaulting no, those teens. No, by... he, he's not on the force, but, but here this, this, this these black kids, like, you would think that somebody or the other, they might need protection from the neighborhood that they live in where all these white people might be after them. But this white cop, they're going to play themselves the victim because now he's saying that his life, he getting death threats and he worried about his family and his life. You know what? White people have a good way of spinning this stuff into making themselves the victim, and they're also the abuser. So now it's right. about him, that he, his life and his family is being threatened, and he needs protection. Benet Embry so is the uh, black radio host, and I'm approaching it from the term of proxy racism. Cause white supremacists gonna do what white supremacists do. We know what they do. Uh, but I, my thing is, is that black people stop participating with racists. Stop helping racists. Stop contributing to racism by, by going out here trying to say that, you know, we live in post, post, uh, racial America and this and that. And, and so this guy came off as being hi- hypocritical to me and I did some research on him and I'm going to share that. And I've already actually written an article. I remember what I was going to ask you. Um, yeah. Um, do you think it's possible that this white woman has a legitimate, um, mental illness? Because I mean, she looks pretty foolish. No, I don't think she has a mental illness. You see, okay. white people have a way of turning things, of making it about themselves. We're we're the ones that being victimized. As now you hear everybody's talking about, oh, well, they're, they're trying to go into her medical history and I was saying that she got a problem. This woman don't have a problem because she legitimately knows what she. So how can you be a college professor, do operate normally in all of these functions, and now all of a sudden because race <laughs> comes up and you're being called on the carpet for stealing somebody else's culture, all of a sudden now you got a mental health problem. Mm-hmm. But you didn't have a mental health problem when you were planning curriculums and teaching classes and instructing people. What do you no, think uh-uh. what what do you think the possible motivation may be for racist suspects to expose her? Well, that's probably she might have done something um to to offend them or like she didn't quote to, to the racist code because you know white people will throw one of them out there as an example for the others to see if you don't do this, this is what's gonna happen to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that could be exactly what she she might have done. She might have just went too overboard at this university setting with her blackness, and they just got tired of her, and they decided, you know, we're gonna expose you because we want to get rid of you and get you gone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, see, again, I'm just trying to examine all possibilities because, like I said, I think this is an interesting case study and there are so many angles uh to approach this at and i hadn't even considered what you brought up about you know um the example you used the white people claiming to be indians and and then you know taking the benefits uh that that status may afford so i want to thank you for sharing oh you're so welcome scotty and thanks again i'll mute myself and listen to the rest okay thank you you're welcome Okay, um, again, if Q&A any, Q is cleared. anybody wants to comment again, um, let me see, it's, uh, we're running out of time. I tell you, time goes by flat fast. So enough about this white woman practicing deception. And let's move on to this black radio host practicing proxy racism. 
All right, so for those who who did not see the video, uh, let me go ahead and cue it up so you can hear this man's comments. He was on CNN about maybe three or four days ago. His name is Benet Embry. Um, it's, hold up, let me uh, mute this ad, allowing this. I'm going to have to uh, wait 30 seconds for this ad to play, then I'll be able to share that audio with you. Well, actually, I made a clip of this. No, I don't. I ain't got to wait for that. Let me pull up. Uh, this is a uh, black radio host, Benet Embry, defending this cop, saying that it wasn't about racism, despite all the facts that most of the people know, and other white people who were there, uh, white teenagers saying it certainly was racism involved. But, you know, here's this guy's comments, this black male who says he lives in that community. So he was on CNN the other day, and this is what he had to say on white people's press. Straight to Benet Embry now. He's a local radio personality. He lives in the area where this happened. He saw it all happen. Benet, you were just feet from, from, from this when it went down. So let me just ask you, what did you see? What I saw, ma'am, I think, first off, let me clarify, you cannot take a seven-minute clip over the th and, and use that for evaluation for a 30-minute incident. What I did see before the cameras or the video store going is, is that teens jumping over the fence after security were telling them they can't come in the swim, not because they were black, it's because they didn't live in the community itself. In our HOA, you can only have two people come to, two guests come with you as, uh, two guests come with you to the pool. What happened is real simple. It was a part. It was a pool party. It was a nice pool party. Everything was fine and decent. But when the flyer went, uh, uh, when the flyer got on social media, what happened at that particular point? People from outside the community started coming. Once they couldn't get access to the pool, that's the jumping over the fence. That's uh, the cursing out the security guard. That's and th and then the fights broke out. And then that's what the police called. So this perception that hmm. my community and people that were living there said, oh, it's a black party, let's call the police, we don't want black kids in our pool, is totally false. All right, From so, that particular point. Yeah. So, so, so when no, you, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. You know, I was just going to ask you on this issue of race, right? You just heard uh, the, the teen in the bikini, right? Her father say this is absolutely about race. Uh, then in that piece by our reporter, he spoke to uh, a young black man who was there who said, uh, this was had nothing to do with race, right? So you have both sides there. I mean, it sounds like you're also saying this was not about race. I do not believe that this was about race. What this was was a, a, a teenage party that I got out of control. It was about 130 kids there, 100 good kids just having a good time. Out of that 130, predominantly African-American, seven knuckleheads ruined the whole thing for everybody. That's what this is all about. I don't think, I do not believe that officer showed up to the subdivision with the intention, I'm going to go out here and swing some black kids around. I do not believe that. That is not the way the community is set up, and that's not the community we live in. So amidst all the death threats that I have personally received and the banning of my radio show, you know, my neighbor Brian Gessner had to send his son away because he's receiving death threats. And you're and getting death threats because video. why? Because you're saying this wasn't because they were black. Right, exactly. According to, you know, everybody else, then, you know, I am an Uncle Tom now. And just like my friend Brian Gessner, who was actually on the video helping break up the fights and even giving kids water, he's now, you know, a, a skinhead Nazi. That's not what it's all about. This whole thing has been sensationalized by mm. sub, uh, sub, uh, social media types. They're looking for a story. 
And as I said in my Facebook post, we as a community, the black community, have other issues to deal with other than uh, flights of fancy and made-up stuff that we need, to, we need to be addressing the real issues with our community, our society, and our country mm -hmm. versus just because, you know, somebody's mad. All right. Well, Benet, I appreciate your taking the time and coming on and, and being so honest and blunt about what you think. Thank you. <laughs> Y'all hear white affirmation that he got from that white woman for being so honest. And we want to thank you for coming on and helping us with our white supremacist agenda and practicing deception. Okay, because when I saw the video, I didn't make um, my evaluation just off the initial video that came out. Okay, someone then after that first that video came out about the cops, someone emailed me. Well, they Facebooked me in a, in a private message and saying this is what started it. And then I was shown the video of the two white women attacking the black child. Okay, that's that that's what started it. Calling them niggers, telling them to go back to to uh, Section Eight housing. And what not. Okay, whoever that was that tried to get in, um, we lost your call. Uh, looks like I lost the conference line. Those of all that's listening, give me just a moment. We got disconnected. This service is provided. Okay, so, uh, yeah, give me just a second as I try to get connected back to our conference line. This service is provided in high definition by free conference call hd.com. Please enter your access code. Follow access code accepted. This conference is being recorded. Q&A session started. Okay, okay so, so, sorry, sorry about that. that. Uh, where oh, is that coming from? from? I'm, I'm getting some getting feedback from, from somewhere. somewhere. Do we have somebody? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, give me just muted. Testing, might check testing. All right, All folks, right. we are uh, having some issues. I'm going to hang up, but uh, please stay in the conference line. Uh, it will not disconnect you when I need to call back in. Um, you know, white people probably up to their tricks. All right, let me see if I can get Dow back in and not have that echo. I don't, I don't know. Somebody tried to call in and it just happened. This now it's hanging up on me again. Hold up. This service is provided in high definition by free conference call HD.com. Please enter your access code followed by the pound. This menu will repeat. Man, this uh thing is acting up. I do hear you, Ralph. Are you on? Please enter your access yes. code followed by the yeah, pound. I'm, I'm all this done. Menu will all right, hold up. Uh, you want me to call back? Yeah, give, let me call. Um, yeah, give me a call back in two Please minutes, about three minutes. This uh, system pound. is acting crazy. This menu will repeat. Will do. Okay, thank you. I ain't never seen Skype act like this number before. Of attempts. Please contact what customer hell, service man? if you need assistance. Goodbye. What the hell? Let me sign out of Skype and sign back into it. So listeners, stay, stay, um, 
patient with me. Uh, we have a lot of people called in to the conference line and, um, they should be able, I want them to be able to hear the program as well. That's why they dialed in. Let me just shut down Skype now. Let me call back in and see if this will resolve the problem. It's getting a lot of feedback. That never happened before. This service is provided in high definition by free conference call HD.com. Please enter your access code. Access code accepted. This conference is being recorded. Q&A session started. Okay, um, everything, turn the conference back on. All right, everything looks okay. Now we got that fixed. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Uh, Brother Ralph was trying to give us a call. Brother Ralph, if you want to give us a call back, uh, please go ahead and, uh, give us a call back. But, um, yeah, this dude was practicing deception. Like I was saying, um, I looked at that video and what started it was those white women calling those kids nigger, uh, telling them to go back to se- section eight house and many of them lived there or around the community and were invited. So he he's practicing uh deception himself. Brother Ralph, we got you. Okay, brother Scotty. Okay, hey, go I, ahead. You know, I just I had to call about that radio host and also about the white lady up there in uh Spokane, Washington. Okay. And I'm a, I, I and, and and my I'm like you, Scotty. I look at that woman as an individual. She had two adopted black siblings. She wanted to be like them, and it's upsetting people. I cannot understand that. I can understand it when we, I'm upset when that radio host or that clown you just had on there wants to be like them, then I'm upset. You know what I mean? But this woman, once, I mean, like you said, it might be some kind of psychological problem or whatever it is. She admired her adopted sibling. She wants to be. I'm looking at people just trash this woman all up and down because, you know, she was the head of the NAACP. You know, NAACP, I don't even care nothing about. Urban League, all that, it was started by white people anyway. And it's for colored people. I never call myself colored. So I don't really even care about that organization. She's just a, and, and I, and you know, some people are saying she's just an opportunist. Didn't you say it was a voluntary position or was it? Um, the ombudsman position, you know what ombudsman is, right? No. A uh, ombudsman is like a legal, a legal advocate. So like, and I've okay. had like, for example, young man by the name of, uh, Devontae Sanford, who lives in Michigan, who has been wrongfully, uh, convicted and incarcerated up there in Michigan. Well, when he was having issues with guards picking on him and, and other inmates, you know, messing with him, then you call the ombudsman and then tell them what's going on. And then they contact the prison. They can go into prison, get the information that you ain't going to have access to and advocate for that prisoner. That's my understanding from that uh, experience with his case of what an ombudsman's uh, office does. So that's a volunteer position. And she put on her, she did have to fill out an application, and she did put on that application that she was white, black, and Native American. So now the NAACP uh, 
chapter leader, you know, again, I'm like you. It was started by white people. It's funded by white people. So that really don't even, I don't really even care about that. I, you know, I don't want to denigrate each and every chapter president because I know there are some out there trying to do what they're supposed to do. But overall, as an organization, I don't see them trying to counter racism, really, especially when you're taking money from racist corporations. So go ahead, Brother Ralph, continue. Yeah, but no, I, and and I love Sister Sarah. I love her passion. I, I heard a lot of fear there, but this 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 white woman here is just a white woman, in my opinion. It's not an opportunistic. She just admires. us. I, I could see her. She was getting angry like the racist pig down there in McKinney, Texas, that was fighting on those young sisters saying, "Go back to." Then I would get angry. But this woman is a mind. Uh, she admires her siblings. She admires us. I think the, and if she wants, and you know, nobody, I didn't hear this outrage, like one of your callers said, when Bruce Jenner wanted to become a woman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would just cut that off every time. So it's no big news. It's just a white woman that wants to be like us. Matter of fact, I believe her husband or boyfriend. Her her ex husband. Her ex husband was, was black. So, I don't so know if she married. So she's a hell of an opportunist if she even had a black husband. You know what I mean? I don't think she's an opportunist. I just think like you, man. She's one of those white folks that wants to be black. I mean, <laughs> that's what, that's that, again, I, I don't know. And I, um, Sister CC, my assistant, is trying to reach out to her to uh, come on the program so we can ask these questions. And I'm saying I don't know. But this is a possibility, X, Y, Z. You know, I'm trying to examine what's the motivation for a white person to claim they black. You know, and and she, you know, 404 Sister Sarah was correct. And, you know, that could be what other white people might try to do in the future to try to, you know, if ever they announce like, reparations. Like Tim, like Tim Wise. Yeah. Like Tim Wise. Yeah, but I, I, I just, I don't, I don't see her in that same vein. And you know, I didn't had, um, had my issues with Tim Wise. He tried to call me out on on Twitter and whatnot because an article I wrote about him saying that uh, people have a constitutional right to yell nigger in the street. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, you know. (laughs) And and you know what? And there's another another, uh, thing brewing in uh, Philadelphia right now about a white anchor that was called a woman a nigger, B-I-T-C-H. And he got fired in 2007. Now he's suing because he says black people use that word. Why can't he? You know what I mean? So, yeah. so that 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 that's the, you know, and this is going on right there. The guy name is Tom Burlington, and the woman that's the prime witness is Joyce Evans. They work for uh, the local Fox Channel in Philadelphia. Um, pull that article up. <laughs> I mean, you know, this, you know, I can see certain things making us angry, mm-hmm. but this situation in Spokane, Washington, I just looked at it and laughed. You know what I mean? It's not it really didn't really cause that much. Much somebody because after I looked at her tweets, and and you know what? Now, I'm now, Ralph, Ralph, Scotty. Ralph, let no, me play wait, devil's wait, advocate. Wait, Scotty, one more, one more, one more, one more okay. thing. Okay. Who, who would you rather have a dialogue with? Me alone, me alone. Or that white woman in uh, Spokane, Washington, and be honest. Who is Mia Love? That's that you. Oh, that's that Republican. Of uh, yeah, that yeah. proxy racist tool that's that's married to a racist suspect. Right. 
Would yeah. you rather have a dialogue with her or the white woman on Spokane Watch? Well, I invited the white woman on the show. I ain't never reached out to uh, <laughs> to Miss Love. So, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Because, so. um, you know, I find it difficult in being cordial to black people with that much self-hatred who are actively working against us you know but but like i but like the question i put to an earlier caller uh named blacker who had called in and shared his thoughts i said you know who do you find as more of a problem or a threat to our community this type uh, a white woman or this this black radio host down there and black you know uh, uh republicans and whatnot you know what I'm gonna say? That 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 type of white woman was probably one of the that that type was probably one of those white abolitionists that was helping us with the underground railroad. While that Uncle Tom down there was the one that turned on Denmark DC and every and everyone uh, and Nat Turner. Mm-hmm. So Snitch. you know you, you so you know who must who mm-hmm. you know who yeah. you know what I mean. And, and I'll we say this. Kind, we had those kind all our life. Right. Still so, got them. Still got them. No. Yeah. And, and, and still got them. And, um, um, it was one other thing. I, I do need to share some more information about, about this guy and him practicing deception, you know, as a black person going on white people media. But I see we got a, a another caller coming up as well. But right, he, he, here's one thing to consider before you go, brother Ralph, about why our sisters may feel so strongly about this. Because you know they love black men and they already feel like it ain't enough of us and then they frustrated with black men going out here getting white women and whatnot. And so, you know, they feel, I, they, I, I can understand if they feel like, you know, she is in that same boat. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I, I can understand that. You know, I'm just again spitballing and trying to look at it from yeah. every angle. I don't care what she's like. I love my sisters, man. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've, I've even divorced one, and I married another one. I, 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 just, I just stick to my race, brother. So, mm-hmm. but I understand. But I don't understand why this woman is causing so much outrage. Mm-hmm. I just don't. So, all right, brother Scotty, you enjoy your weekend, brother. And um, you probably be hearing us seven o'clock on Sunday evening. Time for awakening Time for radio. Awakening. All right, brother yes, Ralph. Peace. Talk to you later. Uh, we got another caller. If I'm not able to get to the rest of it, let me say this before I go to the next caller because they may want to continue talking about, you know, this uh, white woman. Let me just um, briefly talk about this guy. Here's the problem. Number one, I got a problem with all proxy racist tools and him going on there and saying what he said and practicing deception and saying we can't base it off of these seven minutes. Well, we're not basing it off those seven minutes. We're basing it off of the fact that the the black females said that they were called niggers. And there was a, a the mother of one of these black females said that, you know, the one white woman just hauled off and slapped her while hurling racial slurs so they i don't think they're making it up uh you know i don't believe that they would make that up and we saw part of it on video of a grown white woman attacking this child that couldn't have been my child 
that couldn't have been my child. I'm telling you, it couldn't have been my child because, you know, I ain't never, you know, it's not good to hit one women, but she might have got slapped around a little bit to, to let you know. I might have lost, I w- might would have got temporary insanity if I seen these two white women ganging up on my black child, on my child. You know, I, I'm that kind of parent. You know, you don't mess with my children. I don't care who you are, you know. Um, but it, but anyway, him, him saying the things that he said was being very deceitful. He was being very deceptive. And then he's saying he's getting death threats. How do I know he's getting death threats? I don't believe him. Show me the police report. Let me hear a recording of the cause of these death threats. Ain't no, you know, I don't believe that. And then he's taken up for the white man who called the police. That's who he talking about. His neighbor. His neighbor was even out there giving white kids water in. I mean, giving the black kids water and all this and that. But we also know them white teens said, that, that were friends with the black team said that them cops came out there and was largely ignoring the white kids and it was only going after the black kids that was racial profiling i'm sure when that dude called he didn't say you know these white kids is out here wilding out or or they didn't say just teenagers are out here wilding out since they were white teens among them even though he was predominantly black teens. And then another thing, as a man, he want to call that his community. Then why he wasn't stepping up and handling it? You know, he said he was out there. How come I don't see you on video telling this cop he ain't got no business slinging that child around like that and to calm down? I didn't see you black man in your community standing up for your community. You know, why, why did it, why you didn't tell your white neighbor who called the police, don't call the police, let, let me handle it, let me talk to these kids. Y'all kids, I know y'all just kids and y'all do stupid stuff sometimes, but stop climbing the fence. Stop climbing the fence, you're gonna tear the fence up, you might get hurt and fall off the fence and then, you know, we gonna get sued or whatnot or, or, you know, you might get seriously, look, don't go, don't climb into that pool. Now look, we out here, we having a good time. Here's some food. Let, you know, go play some spades or something like that. You know, don't climb the fence now. Don't do that. Wait till somebody else come out or, or and get their card and go in or whatnot. See, he ain't tried to defuse the situation at all. He didn't, he didn't stand up and be a black man in his community. What I heard him say is, you know, the white people was doing everything, trying to get the situation under control and all this and that. And then he want to talk about, I don't believe this white man, this white cop came out there to slang around black children. Well, I don't give a damn what you believe. You ain't inside that white man's head. You don't know what his intentions were. You know, you don't know what his, he has a history when someone filed a lawsuit against him because a black dude was riding with white women he pulled them over and, and him and some other white cops pulled the dude's pants down and then was like trying to stick a flashlight up his ass so you know did you not hear about that report did you not hear I mean where was he when these white women was out there calling these children niggers if he was out there and he saw everything then why he didn't check that white woman and say, now you know you wrong. These are children. Why are you out? Why are you being a racist? 
You know, we, we don't want racism in our community. You know what I'm saying? He made every excuse in the world for racism and white supremacy. And then talking about he getting death threats. Well, maybe that's cause you a snitch. Maybe cause you snitching on little kids or something. You know, that is part of the 10 stops is, in Nee Fuller's uh, code is, is number one, stop snitching. Stop snitching. You could have handled that yourself if those children was acting incorrectly. But you going on there snitching on them and then you making excuses for this terrorist that then came in the community and assaulted these black children and put their lives in danger. And not once did I see you in frame trying to protect these black children. So what kind of, let me keep my language clean, what kind of black man is you? And then he want to play the respectability politics, right? He want to, you, we got all these problems in the community as a society, as a country that we need to be addressing and instead of this made up stuff. And so anyway, he talking about he lost this radio show, right? He got banned. Well, as far as I can tell from the research I've done, that radio online radio station is run by white people, right? So why don't white people kick you off air? Why they ban your show? If indeed they ban your show, right? Now, I was able to find some of the podcasts of his show on that website. And so he want to play like he Mr. Respectable, you know, by the book, black man. And these were just, you know, some out of control, knuckleheaded kids and, and all this and that. But I want y'all to listen to this clip and then call her. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come to you, call her. I want y'all to listen to this clip that I pulled from his radio show. And I want you to pay attention to what's being promoted on this show. It's four minutes long. It's four minutes long. Caller, please be patient. Um, I'm going to let you have the last say as we get ready to wrap up the program and transition into Tando Radio Show. But this is his clip from one of the podcasts of his show back in April. All right. I don't even think he's done a show since April, so he might have lost the show for other reasons and blame it on this. But anyway, this was the first podcast I came across on that website for that Internet radio station that appears to be run by white people. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. This is the B-E-N-E-T-E-M-B-R-Y. Benet Ember, host of the Benet Ember Radio Show, coming to you live and uncut right here on www.elephonearth.com. What's going on, family? Happy 420 to all you potheads out there. So, hey, just to let you know, I'm selling free, I mean, I'm selling drug-free pee tomorrow. Because, you know, tomorrow is National Drug Testing Day. So, y'all go ahead and turn up tonight. I give all y'all my information after the show. Is it that, really? Yeah. So now, so hey, man, this, that's a very marketable thing. Would it be alcohol-free pee? No, it will, no. But they not test, tested for <laughs> alcohol. <laughs> well, well, they might. They test for both. They well, might test for both tomorrow. Well, I'm just saying it may be. You know, hey, I'm just trying to help the folks out. Just trying to get a desk, got a job interview tomorrow. Just, I'm gonna be right up there at uh, one of those testing facilities with bottles. Hey, that's what I'm drinking tonight. Y'all go ahead and smoke, I'll drink. That's how we get down. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a great show for you tonight. We got two artists coming in. We got a ticket giveaway. We got everything that you need tonight. So I don't. if you're not listening to us right now, you really just ain't got no goddamn life. I don't understand. So you need to get on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, tell somebody, tell somebody, and then tell somebody the Banana and the Radio Show is on right now, live and uncut. But, but, but before if we go any further... Let me actually introduce you to the people who make this show run. So, to my right, sexy and sassy, but always classy, the woman with the million-dollar smile, Miss Latresa Bagsby Bay, a.k.a. Smiley. What's up, y'all? Happy 420 day. (laughs) To my left, my man, the show manager, my best friend, the Mr. Militancy himself, Mr. James D. Kane. How y'all doing? Shout out to Carlethia. She is out tonight. She is having real bad back problems. So she probably high, maybe not on 420, but she probably got some hellified drugs going on right now. So that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to hit you with two songs. Now, again, we have an artist coming in here all the way from Longview, Texas, another HMH product. This brother is Pure Fire. He'll be on in just a second. So we're going to hit you with two songs, and then we'll be right back at you. Thank you for tuning in. All right, I'm going to stop it there. So do you get my point? Now, my mother, I had talked to her about this um, also, and she said she heard on the news that he may have been DJing a party. Was that the kind of uh, uh, BS he was pumping in the ears of those kids talking about smoking weed, selling white, you know, which is crack cocaine, selling cocaine and drug dealing in the community? So I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. I think I've made my point. If you're interested in reading more about this, check out my article um, on blacktalkradionetwork.com. And I hope that this man uh, will learn that proxy racism, you know, uh, is a problem. 
and we are not going to tolerate it in our community. I'm not justifying anybody calling him up and threatening his life and all of that. No, I'm not. Uh, uh, that would be incorrect. All right. But at the same time, his behavior is incorrect. So I hope he learns a lesson from this experience, but something tells me he won't. Let me take, take this caller. Thank you for hang, hanging on so patiently. 973, go ahead with your question or comment. Area code 973. Mr. 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 Reed, I can hope reserve my comment until next show um really i don't want to go over the show i know that you have another program coming up and i can hold my comments again sir okay all right you sure i'm sure no what i mean what you're saying is very important but i i i, I can i can hold it's very important but i can definitely hold it on i don't want to um block up your schedule what you just mentioned is extremely important it's very important for our african-american men to protect us, all of us, and the show he has, as he just stated, that if nobody's listening to that show, that was a, a very stupid statement. I will never ever turn into that show, so help me. But I can reserve my comment to Monday. Have a have a very pleasant weekend, sir. Thank you very much. All right, thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. Um, I did not get to uh, discuss. Um, what you call it? What's his name? Franklin Graham of Samaritan's Purse and taking his money out of Wells Fargo because they have gay commercials and, and it, but he puts it in another bank that has gay commercials. But my thing is, and I'm going to write an article about it is from an abolitionist perspective. Oh, you didn't have a problem with Wells Fargo investing money in the geo group, which is the second largest private prison enslaver in the country. All right. So that's my program for Folks, uh, stay tuned for uh, Tando Radio Show. If you're on this conference line, I'm about to hang up because they have a separate line and you can get the information on our website, blacktalkradionetwork.com. I want to thank all the callers for their input and peace and blessings. And y'all be safe this weekend because this should be evident to you. We live behind these enemy lines and I don't want any of you to be a casualty. So, so develop that battlefield awareness. Peace and blessings.